Parental Advisory. Great. Mistakes. I'm recording this after working seven night shifts in a row, trying to stay up a little bit later this morning to get back on a day schedule. If this seems a little... Hopefully this doesn't go all crazy on me. Cut me some slack, that's what I'm saying. The previous episode... kind of went through my qualification process... I thought a good follow-up episode would be to talk about my process of the different jobs that I had. Now, I work, I just do kind of the watch standing portion. In the Navy, we we also did the maintenance portion. I believe if you're working in a nuclear power plant, you have the guys in the control room, then you have the guy who fixes that circuit breaker. It's not the same group of people. In the Navy it is. Let's talk about that other half. That's this episode. I did want to clarify or I wanted to follow up. When looking back through the notes that it, that I had made, I'd seen the section where I talked about my kind of core belief is that your attitude will affect you. You're that saying about who your friends are and pay attention to who your friends are because they affect you know, more than you know. And I always said that's really dumb, but I think that I was dumb and that saying is true. Your attitude does matter. I had labeled that section a saying that I like that I always tell my kids, which is... Um, Make life, make life happen, don't let life happen. Believe that you're in control. Believe you can affect, with an A, the world around you. A dirty head song, vacation. Uh, I can't remember the lyrics all of a sudden. But anyway, he says, if you don't like your life, you should go and change it. That kind of resonates with me. Make life happen, don't let life happen. I think that's a good way. I wish I would have remembered to say that when I was making the other podcast. Maybe I should look at my notes first. Sorry. Birthing. Upon the end of our time in the training department, after we'd learned the general knowledge, we'd got our device that lets us walk in the plant, but yet we had not qualified to do maintenance, we were sent to birthing. Birthing was actually a pretty big room. There were, when I got to the ship, there were about 100, maybe 110, something like that, electricians. We shared that space with the electronics technicians. I don't know how many there were. Not as many. Still a significant number, maybe 150 people. On average in the birthing, I'm not sure. Quite a few. If you turn the air conditioning off, it smelled horrible. When it got cold outside, everybody's wearing a jacket in the ship. We had the AC on. Do not turn off the only source of airflow 
in a birthing with 150 dudes. It's going to be bad. In birthing, we, I was just thinking, we had a stinky kid. Everybody had stinky kids. We had multiple stinky kids. Sure, everybody has a story like that. Maybe from a football team or something. One in particular stands out. His laundry, which happened to be right by the door, you would know. I was, my rack was kind of down. There are two doors coming in that went from one end of the birthing through the electrician, through the electronics technician section and out the other side. I was a straight shot down from one of those. But I was at the far end. Actually, my rack was right by, uh, we had a load center in there. Just It's like a big, big breaker box for a whole section of the, sh- the ship. We had a load center in our birthing, had a little cutout. A red light was always on. That's where we kept the trash cans. That was... People would gather and talk, so I got used to sleeping through people talking. But there was a little aisle kind of going, imagine east-west was the long path, north and south is the short path. A little north-south path was right on the other side, and that was the delineation between the ETs and the EMs. I was as far away from the door as you could get and still be an EM. I could smell it from my rack. And a room full of dudes, oh God. That guy needs to take a shower or wash his clothes, whatever it needs to do. Then somebody would go complain. He was one of the few, if not only person, that we had Mando showers. Mando in the Navy is mandatory. Everything. They have like a Mando fun. That one always pissed me off. If it's going to be fun, wouldn't everybody just go? Why don't you just make it fun and then you don't have to make it mandatory? It could just be fun. Only in the military, right? So yeah, we we did have our stinky kids. Fortunately, that wasn't when, when I worked in birthing. When I worked in birthing, we would walk around, clean the, they were exposed, you know, pipes at the top, we'd have to brush those off, clean your dust, sweep the floors, make sure people were following the rules. Maybe you couldn't have your laundry out on this side of something, or maybe this uniform couldn't, Maybe, I think maybe a rule might have been, you could only have a uniform on your hook if you were in your rack. Then we'd have an XO inspection, frantically running around, taking everybody's hooks, everybody's uniforms down that weren't in their rack. Stuff like that. Also, we were responsible for the head. That was, uh, that was pretty, (laughs) that was pretty gross. One of the, yeah, you're cleaning off the sinks and mopping and everything. Now I'm just thinking a bunch of gross stuff. One of the, From the birthing side of it, getting in people's racks, we had to... Sometimes they would say, all right, we're cleaning, you're cleaning this section, there's an inspection, whatever's happening. Make sure there, you're not allowed to have a bunch of debris in your rack. A note that you have just strewn about, a magazine. Some people would just have random crap sitting in the corners in between the mattress and the in those corners would be happy socks you'd be cleaning it out and then you'd find somebody's happy sock if you don't know what a happy sock is i'm not going to explain it but you don't want to know 
the disgusting thing I was thinking, the disgusting one of the disgusting events I was thinking of from from birthing, we had this inspection, I think it was called Inserf. I'm used to only doing nuke stuff. Nuke stuff, Navy stuff, they didn't always coincide. For example, haircuts. I think I might have said this before. We'd have a bad haircut. Somebody would say, shipmate, shipmate, shipmate. You'd stop. What department are you in? Reactor. Never mind. They'd walk the other way. You'd just have your unsad haircut. They would try at times to make us conform a little bit. Somebody got in charge once of the the galley, and that person said, anybody who is going to eat cannot have paint on their uniform. We paint it all the time. Anytime we had these big inspections, we would repaint the whole floor. The whole floor. Paint this wall, paint that floor, paint this, paint that. All of our uniforms had paint on them. It's not like we had 9, 10, 12 uniforms. You had two or three. They last a long time. Why... Anyway, that eventually kind of blew over. One of my friends got kicked out. I don't remember who it was. They got told they are not allowed to eat, and he said to the person, what am I supposed to do? I don't have any uniforms that don't have paint on them. We had to get our chiefs to talk to their chiefs or something. For these bigger inspections, though, since it wasn't a smaller kind of person-to-person action, hey, we're doing a ship's inspection. Well, we would do a reactor inspection, but it wouldn't be for the whole ship. Everybody would know what was going on. They would talk about it over the 1MC, which is an announcement throughout the whole ship. But we were the only ones playing. Everybody else was doing their own thing. There was kind of a regular ship inspection called InServe. That was everybody else's version of our ORS but we also had to play in that because it was a big whole ship deal. Now, they didn't come into the re- the engine room. But they could look at our birthing. And I happened to be in birthing. We had to go over that with every square inch we looked at to the point, And this was the point of the story. We went so far as to take off the P-traps under the sinks and clean them out. And when we did that, it was effing gross. They had just old toothpaste clogged up with everybody's shaving hair stubble. It, it, it was gross. So gross. But after we did all of them, you know, the flow, those sinks really drained a lot better. We repainted another particularly gross that I was not a fan of. We had a booger flicker. He'd be on the can, and he'd paint the walls with his boogers. It was disgusting. You'd have to get like a... It almost seemed like you got a paint scraper and kind of <laughs> scraped off some dude's boogers from the wall. But the worst, and I remember this every time I'm thinking to myself, hey, you're something special. Hey, you're too good to do this. Anytime I'm feeling uppity... I remind myself to be humble because I 
have cleaned up somebody taking a dump on top of somebody else's dump. That's right. Two dumps, one toilet. And I was there cleaning it. No matter what I'm trying to do, it's probably not going to be worse than that. And if I can do that, I can do this. So don't be too proud. Story is, we would get called anytime something was broken any t- with the head, anytime something needed to be swept because there was a mess, anytime they needed more toilet paper. We, Lauders, Garner, and I, now there were more people. There were more people in that group with us. Burke was in there somewhere, Howlett, I, Gil. I don't remember everybody off the top of my head. No offense. But I'm just trying to keep the cast of characters a little small. So Lauders, Garner and I, we get called in. The birthing A-team, just the birthing team. Hey, there's this toilet that's broke. Go check it out. We walk in. The toilet bowl is absolutely filled with crap to the brim. Now, our hallway, our P-way, they would call it, our P-way in front of the birthing that separated birthing from the head was a main thoroughfare, like the interstate going to downtown in some major city. Our bathroom would be full a lot. Sometimes there would be lines, actually. On the 05 deployment, and this is the only time it ever happened, but on the 05 deployment, Outback Steakhouse came. I wasn't there, but maybe a month. I had no idea what was going on. Everybody was super excited about Outback Steakhouse. I was excited because I had been eating the crap food for a while. And Outback is pretty awesome. Everybody goes. Everybody eats the hell out of some Outback Steakhouse. Then you got a belly full of steak and buttered bread. You know, I, I got to go to the bathroom. You walk to the bathroom, there's a line of seven people. You just got to keep holding it and holding it and holding it. <laughs> that, was, that was the worst bathroom instance of there being a line. But that would happen. Stuff would back up just because of the location. That's pertinent to the story because how do you get a toilet bowl filled with crap? There's a lot of room between the water and then the lid. How does this even happen? That's what we were asking ourselves. Another interesting part of the story is it wasn't... You hear of a clogged toilet, you're thinking somebody had a mammoth forearm size, foot long, hard as rock, deuce. They dropped one for the ages, clogged the commercially flushing toilet. Congratulations, sir. Job well done. But that's not what happened this time. It was a pile. There was a pile, a mounded pile of feces. Well, what's... What's under there, right? How is this clogged? How is liquid, liquid, calling this, uh, liquid clogging this toilet? Only one way to find out. 
You got to go digging. <laughs> I think it was Garner. But we got a, he got a, <laughs> I don't know if we drew straws or what. He got a coat hanger, kind of undid it a little bit, you know, like a wire coat hanger, made a little hook. We were stirring it around, trying to figure what's going on. We find, like a tiramisu cake, where you got cake, icing or whatever, and then cake. It was like crap, boxer shorts, crap. So the boxers, and maybe the, maybe it was more like the volcano thing at Chili's where the boxers was the middle part and kind of coming down. But there was a, a definite separation. But I figure the boxers had to be what was clogging up the toilet, right? The boxers was making it not flush. And yet you could see there was, you know, maybe a leg of the boxers separating two different piles of crap. Now, I was thinking, screw the guy who, you know, screw these guys for making me do this. Then I felt bad for them. Felt bad for feeling that way because imagine you have to take a dump so bad you 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 shart you crap your pants now you're on a ship what are you gonna do you there's not like a laundry you're not at your house maybe if you're at a house you throw it away anyway you can't carry it around especially because then everybody's gonna see it and then they're gonna give you hell forever one guy pooped his pants for the longest time. People would say his last name. I'm not going to say his last name. Let's say his last name is a. I got a peach. I got a peach pear. Sparkling water right here. So let's say his last name is Peach. They'd be like, "Oh, I got to go take a peach." That was for forever. When I left, anybody who was there with him would still say that. Not regularly, but they would. And he wasn't even there anymore. Just a funny joke, at someone else's expense. So yeah. I could totally see making a mess in your pants and just ditching them. Get rid of the evidence. This never happened. I was never here. Then I'm thinking, how bad do you have to go to walk into a bathroom, right? You walk into the bathroom. You see a line. Stalls being used and one stall door open. You say to yourself, I got to go real bad. Let me check out this stall. I wonder what's going on here. You walk in and there is a huge pile of shit with a pair of boxer shorts on top. There's people outside knowing because they all said, I wonder why people are waiting. Because you got to. You got to. You kick the door open and you look. It's all... Okay, I'm waiting in line. All the other people see you. They see you. They know what's on the inside. You go in the door, turn around, and lock it. And they're like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even imagine the shame I would have walking out of a bathroom knowing that I took a crap on top of a crap, and everybody would just look at me and they'd say, I'm remembering that name, and I swear to God I'll never forget that face. 
how bad do you have to go to take crap on another crap? Plus, you got splashback. I think that's how you get a huge, huge pile. I think it had to have been two people. I don't think one person could have come in, crapped. First off, they had to be on E. It was a lot of crap. Took off their boxers, threw it on top. You're probably wearing a poopy suit. You probably had to take your legs out from under. You know, you zipped it down and rolled it down. Then you had to take it off on the bottom. I mean, it had to have been a lot of work. I don't think you do that. Stand up, throw the boxers in, sit back down, and then have another elephant-sized pile of crap. Had to have been two people. So after I felt bad for him, yeah, afterward I felt bad for him. That's the most disgusting thing that probably happened to me. Well, that's not the most disgusting thing. It's one of them. The other that I would probably say was my rock bottom low, other than cleaning the, the, the turd on turd, the mushy turd on mushy turd. It was in a port, I don't remember which one, 2009 or something probably. I'm, I'm on like, what am I on? I might be on front half six and sixes. It's two, three in the morning. I get racked out because I'm not on watch. I get racked out. They say, hey, there's a leak in the, um, there's a leak where the mechanics work and it's the turd pipes. Everybody called them shit pipes. It's the shit pipes. They broke in the plant. We have to go clean it up because the guys who would normally fix that stuff they're called hole technicians i don't know how hole technicians ends up being crap pipe workers but these guys can't go into plant because they're not allowed because they don't have a little device so they can't get their radiation measured so it's unsafe so we have to go and clean up the oh my god i walk down there feel like somebody smashed me in the head with a hammer i'm tired as all get out I look over at a mechanic there who's a friend. I said, man, I could just go for a dip right now. We're pushing a broom, you know, and putting it in the Cadillac, they called it, and squeezing it out, kind of mopping like that. And he pulls out a can of dip. I got you. I said, I can't really see myself taking a dip and put my fingers in my mouth right now I haven't really touched anything but close enough right he said let me show you a little mechanic trick he he undoes his poopy suit because we're all sweaty and gross he undoes his poopy suit he zips it from the collar down to uh, maybe like the belly button or something like little Mr. Rogers he opens it up makes his fingers like he's going to grab a pinch of salt and he rubs them against the uniform like he pinches the uniform and rubs it. He said, you don't need a whole clean hand. You just need a clean right here and right here. And then he took a dip. (laughs) And I was like, the hell with it. (laughs) And I took a dip 
with gross fingers. And that was my all-time low uh, for putting things in my mouth. Which is also, I don't know how we got on a gross tangent. Oh, I see my happy sock note. That's what happened. Okay, yeah, I think that's... I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the birthing. Yeah, I cleaned the crap on the crap. Did the in-serve stuff. And feel like I'm forgetting something. That'll be okay. So, from birthing, I got my first... For the first time, we qualified... We qualified to, to be able to do maintenance. Once we qualified to be able to do maintenance, there was another crop of kids who came up to work in the birthing as that all happened and filtered out. I ended up going to two plant. Garner and Lauders ended up going to one plant. Trash PO. In plant, there's a job called trash PO, trash petty officer. I didn't talk about it too much. We took the trash out before then. Since I got to the ship, the newest guy, you know, takes the trash out. Who wants to do that? In the Navy, it was particularly arduous. Really made no sense to me at the time or now. They had three or four different trash cans next to each other. Everywhere there, there was a trash place to throw something away. It was more than one. You had, you had to figure out what it all meant. Some of One of them might have been paper, plastics, metals, and dunnage. Dunnage was everything else. A banana peel, dunnage. Same thing when you're taking your tray to the, you know, you get done eating, you got to figure out how to dump everything and then Turn your tray in to get washed. They called that cranking. Apparently, most people went cranking through other departments. The nuclear navy, at least on an aircraft carrier, we didn't go cranking. We had to send someone to the mess decks. They would go as like a boss of the crankers or something like that. They would not, you know, we typically... Did not go just to clean plates. We had other stuff we had to do. I think Lauders went up there and was in charge of some people cleaning stuff at some point. Oh, I guess I made some noise. Doing a little different. I'm working nights. Tomorrow night, it's midnight right now. And I'm having a little... I'm having a little tequila. So if you hear something or there's a pause, it might be me taking a sip of tequila like this. And that was that. Back to what I'm talking about. Everywhere you went, you had to take the trash out. It had to be sorted. Invariably, it would not be sorted correctly. Huge pain. You would look through the trash pick it all up and your buddies and you'd hold it up and you'd look at it and oh no, this is the can one. This is somebody's dip can. Reach in there and take out the dip can and, and dump it. All somebody else's spit. 
you could tell there was a dip can in there because there would be liquid at the bottom. Thanks, guy. Sometimes there would be a, it'd be in the bottles. There'd be a clear bottle filled with dip. You got to dump it out. Sometimes you'd have a bottle of piss. In the Navy on watch, you don't get to go anywhere. Somebody has to relieve you. Well, if you're in the room all by yourself, why not just piss in a bottle and then put it in the trash can? I never put it in the trash can. Other people did. My AC just kicked on it. It scared the crap out of me. I never put my piss bottle in the trash because I knew what it was like to take out a piss bottle, pour someone else's piss. Ah, it's freaking gross. After you looked through the trash, dumped out the piss, dumped out the dip, dumped out the liquid, reached your hand in the dunnage and pulled out something that wasn't supposed to be there and put it in the plastics, reached into the metal and all that grossness and pulled something out and put it in the dunnage and you sorted through all of this trash. Carry it up to the flight deck, not the flight deck, uh, the hangar bay. Carry it up to the hangar bay, go to the aft. There would be a station with piles and piles of trash bags. Sometimes it would get backed up, I think. I don't really remember the exact reason. I don't think there were always stacks and stacks of trash. Not really sure how it worked. Never worked in the trash department doing anything. I just took the trash to those guys. Sometimes you'd get a person like me who says, screw it, I don't care. It's freaking trash, bro. They'd give it a cursory glance because they got to do something. And then, yeah, you just, it was the same there. You would take the cans over to the can trash section the dunnage over the dunnage trash section. So you'd have these huge bags from all over the ship split up just like they had the trash cans, three or four different trash cans. They had three or four different piles. We're there. Given this stuff, sometimes a guy would have a... If you drop a bolt, say, down a little crack and you need to get it but your hand won't fit, Sears or wherever, Sears, I don't think they're out of business. It lows. Let's get with the times, man. It lows. They'll sell a an extension where you can like pull it out, click, 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 click. At the end of it's a magnet, and they'll put it in that small. They'll have like a little pointer like that. Maybe I imagine some you know maniacal professor with the thing, or I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. He would have something like that, and they would poke through the bag. And, oh, this is... Let me read all the labels on these. Let me get sure everything's right. And they would always find something, because they're a dickhead. Oh, <laughs> this is a green-yellow banana peel that's more green. It actually goes in that section. Like, what are you even talking about, bro? Them's the rules. Them's the breaks. <sighs> Whatever, guy, take your trash away, take the two bags, leave the others, put, you know, putting them in the right spot, the ones that passed the test. You take the failed bags back to wherever it is you came from, open them up, dig through the trash, sort it the way the guy told you, then you come back, and then he takes a little 
pointer stick and look at it all through again and you're like screw you dude you know you know what just happened and then he would i don't know maybe that was the some of those guys had one one moment of power over somebody and they were going to they were going to use it so i guess i got i can't put this little glass on that it's making too much noise. Okay. Back to the story. They would gather all of this trash very meticulously. It would take time. You'd wait in line because there's a line for these people to meticulously look through all the trash that was already originally sorted that you went through and sorted and they found the piss bottle. Then you got to go dump out another one because there was 100 bottles in this thing and it's a pain in the ass. You finally get in there. They have all these different piles. You sort the trash as they sort all the trash and you get your trash bag in the right pile. No, not that pile. This pile, oh my gosh, this one looked the same. Yeah, but they're kind of falling at each other, but this goes over here and that one goes over there. And then they take all of that shit and they just dump it in the ocean. What are we even here for? <laughs> There's a bottle right next to a can, right next to a piece of paper, right next to a banana peel, Floating in the ocean. Whatever. Another story about the trash. It's the only time I've ever laughed directly in somebody's face. Some people, we've all met them. We might be them. Maybe it's not some people. This guy was a guy. <laughs> I was in a meeting once. We had a person that I worked with. He's in this meeting. He's going on and on and on. Uh, several people have been like this. One one person, he was that guy who always asked questions. It could be about anything, but he always asked. There'd be a seminar, room full of people, Everybody's ready to go. You get a 10-minute break before the next hour starts. Any questions? 100% of the guy of the time this guy has a question. Talking, he's asking. On the second slide, uh, you used a comma, and I really feel that a semicolon getting rid of the conjunction and using a semicolon would have been more appropriate. What are you talking about, guy? Shut up. You, people have to go to the bathroom or get a brownie, have a smoke break, whatever they're going to do. We can't because you're asking the stupidest question in the world. Stop. Here's a good tip. I've used it. My boss is soon, <laughs> my boss, one of them, John, he's a great guy. He when this guy, when he was at training with this particular individual and the presenter said, any questions, he would start to clap, immediately start to clap. Everybody would start to clap, thank the presenter. He'd clap on his way out the door. Everyone would start clapping. The person couldn't ask a question. I've been in seminars with a person like that before and clapped or trainings and clapped before the person could ask a question, and it ended the whole deal. Actually, one of the times I did it, there was in the middle of a back and forth, this guy answers the question, 
This guy asks another question. This guy answers a question. This guy asks a question. This guy answers a question. I start clapping before he's really even done talking. Everybody else starts clapping, and then we all got to leave. That's a good tip. You should try it out if you happen to be in with the guy. But I'm in this meeting. This person is going on and on and on about nonsense. Everyone's told him, what you think is true is in fact not true. You've been working here a long time. Surprised you didn't know. Feel like being beneficial, giving a little B.O.D., that's Howlett right there. I've said that since Howlett. Little B-O-D, benefit of the doubt. If I were going to give him benefit of the doubt, I'd say, oh, he's having a brain fart. And he, he thought what was on the left was on the right, but now what's on the right is on the left in his mind, but it's not that way. It was something like that. It's going on and on and on and on and on and on. Just stop. People told him, stop talking about it. Moved on several, several subjects later. He would come back and say, but that one thing, knock it off, dude. Crazy. At that point, I texted a friend. I want to get a degree in psychology. I'm going to go around. I'm going to find people just like this. I'm going to ask them what they think happened and how it's going. Everybody knew how smart I was. I was totally killing it. They just, they were impressed with my questions and the depth of my knowledge. It's okay, thanks. Be on your way. Go back into the room. And how do you guys feel it was going? That guy is that guy and he drives me fucking crazy. I was going to title the book, That Guy, because we all know one. This particular story is about that guy. He, in 100% all sincerity, which is why I was laughing in his face. You can't laugh at someone's face when they're laughing, when the joke's on them. I do that all the time. If, I, if I'm walking into work and I fall and I face plant or something, and it's a funny story at my own expense, I tell everybody I know because it's funny. You laugh. And I laugh. However, if I'm telling a story and I think I'm 100% right, but I'm a character on Friends or Seinfeld or something like that, I'm going to tell it to you seriously. You, the audience, laughs. Because it's a joke. It's a character. This person was telling me a story 100% serious, I felt like I was in a TV show. And I tried to not laugh at what he was telling me. I think we've all had kind of situations before. <sighs> Don't know what that guy's talking about. But it's never got to the point where I just laughed at what you're saying directly to your face. This is the story. There's somebody... He's in trouble, so he has extra duty. In the military, they'll give you non-judicial non punishment. Navy, that's called captain's mast. You don't go to court or anything like that. You go to the command master chief. He 
will determine whether you should get sent up or not. You did something wrong. Then the, and I believe it's like your chief, your bosses, somebody like that, they'll send you up. If you get sent up by the master chief, you go to the executive officer. Once you talk to the executive officer, if he feels like you should get sent up, you get sent up to the captain. If you go to the captain, you will receive a punishment, most likely, because why else would you be there? He made it to, through two reviews. The captain can, outside of judicial punishment, the captain can take away half your pay for 30 days or 45 days. I don't remember what the max is. But he can say, whatever you make, you make half for 30 days. For those 30 days, you're on restriction. Restriction means you can't leave the ship. If you're at home port, you can't go hang out with your family. You're on the ship for 30 days. It's like being in jail. Also, for 30 days, you don't make the money. They'll put you on extra duty. Maybe at 4 o'clock in the afternoon after the workday, you have to muster, and then they hand out jobs. This also happens on the ship. I don't remember exactly how all this works out, but this kid got in trouble for whatever. I don't know. I just know he's on restriction because he's wearing a badge. He's got extra duty because that extra duty, they want him to burn confidential material. There's a confidential material burn room, whatever. I dealt with that. Basically, one time, I was new. They said, there's a guy who's going to burn some stuff, but he doesn't have a security clearance. Someone needs to watch this guy burn the stuff to make sure he doesn't read it, whatever, you know, shove some in his pants and give it to the goddamn Ruskies. I'm low man on the totem pole. I head up there. We're chatting. What are you going to do for a couple hours? Good talk. Nothing else. I don't know the guy. He doesn't know me. I think he told me I could have asked, hey, why are you on restriction? That doesn't really seem like me. It's kind of a rude thing. Don't really want to know the answer sometimes. I was beating my wife on base housing. You know what? I kind of got a problem with that myself. He's telling me how he got on restriction. You know, my E6, my LPO, she came in and she asked me to take out the trash. And I was like, fuck you, bitch. Who are you to tell me? Mind you, it was his boss. That, <laughs> who are you? Uh, I'm your boss. I'm the person who tells you to take out the trash. My literal job is to tell you to take out the trash when it's full. That's, that's a big problem. So I told her, I ain't taking out that fucking trash. She tells me, man, why you ain't got to be like this? Every time I ask you to do something, you just talk a bunch of shit. Can't you 
Can't you just please take out the trash? Take out the fucking trash, man. I'm like, fuck you. You ain't got to talk to me that way. You know, she, she thinks she's so hot that she can just tell everybody what to do. Again, it's his boss. Her job is to tell him what to do. This kid was 18, pimply, nerdy. Nerdy is all get out. He's not a ladies man is what I'm trying to say. No Rico Suave here. He's like, yeah, I've been around the block. Again, he's 18 and a nerd. I've seen shit. I've done stuff. I'm not impressed by you. I said, fuck you, bitch. You take out the trash. She said, just take out the trash or I'm going to write you up. So, yeah, I grabbed that cat. I grabbed that trash can and I just fucking threw it at her. Then she fell down the stairs. The falling down the stairs, that's, that's what I laughed in his face. It still makes me laugh right now. I can't figure out. Ah, oh, dang it. All right. I can't figure out. Sorry, I was trying to prevent my computer from going to sleep because I have some notes. This dadgum thing, I, I moved my sleep time because it goes to sleep after like five minutes. I moved the sleep time up to 25 minutes. I'm on minute 20 of the recording, so I know it hasn't been 25 freaking minutes, Apple. This thing has gone to sleep twice on me. I was trying to prevent that from happening, and then I clicked on sleep, and then it went to sleep. I guess I'll quit messing with it. Yeah, I laughed in his face because he threw a trash can at some person who had the audacity to ask him to do his job when that's part of her job is to ask him to do his job. So he threw a trash can at her and she fell down the stairs. Yeah, he, he totally deserved it. I, however, was never the trash PO. I was also never on restriction. I was never the trash PO. When I got the plant, the work center supervisor says to me, hey, normally... You would be trash PO. You come to plant. Your first job is trash PO. There's two trash POs. One of them has been here longer than the other. You would replace one and then they would move up the totem pole. But these two people piss me off and they are all time trash PO. You are not the trash PO. Don't let them tell you to take out the trash. If they ask you to take out the trash, say no. If they have to make more than one trip, they make more than one trip because they are all-time trash PO. That's why you don't piss people off. Log PO. All right, I think I got my issue fixed with the computer. I put the sleep time on 25 or whatever minutes. I had the screensaver still on 10 minutes. If you're in the same boat, there you go. There's your answer. Probably not, though. I kind of suck at computer stuff. Not not really, but it's not my favorite. Log PO. Every watch station had logs. You'd fill them out. Every hour, certain... Requests were made on the logs. Meaning, you'd go around place to place. Sometimes you would just sit there, look at different meters and gauges, write down those values. 
that's standing watch. Over time, let's say you have a heat exchanger. A heat exchanger is just a big vessel. It has, say, colder water running through some straws, basically, in the shape of a U. They're called U-tubes. It comes, let's say the cold water comes into the bottom and out the top. Hot air rises, so they would try to use some natural circulation. Cold water comes in, and the bottom of that vessel is hot water. That cold water is cooling off the hot water. Comes in, goes, heat is exchanged, and then the water comes up the U-tubes and goes out. That's a heat exchanger. Let's pretend there was a clog, right? Some fish got caked on the kind of strainer, the screen for where the water comes in. There's some dead fish caked on there. Less water gets through, less water gets through, you're not going to be able to cool down that hot water as much. Naturally. What you'll see over time as you're taking these logs, logs, let's say you have temperature of the water in the bottom of that heat exchanger, making up numbers, 100 degrees, 101 degree, 102 degrees, 103 degrees, 104 degrees. Every hour, it's going up a degree. There's a trend. You can spot this if you're paying attention and if you're not blazing your logs. <laughs> Back to the card signer deal. Blazing is, I'm not going to look. I'm just going to write some stuff down. The log PO, you would gather all these logs at the end of every day, I think. You'd gather the logs staple a cover sheet to them, send them up the chain of command. A handful of people, I don't remember who, would look through them and sign them. Maybe there was a vessel that was increasing due to some clog, but it was increasing a degree every three hours. You're standing a five-hour watch going up one degree in five hours, whatever, right? That's not, that's not abnormal. There's an ebb and flow. There's cycles of everything. From a, a high above level, looking at a couple days, three days, you would say, oh my God, every three hours, this, this number is going up. That's my understanding of the purpose. A lot of that... A lot of that, I would say, happens afterward. This unit, this generator, this whatever trips offline. What happened? Go back and look through the last week of logs. Oh, every three hours, it was increasing a degree. This was going on for a while. People just didn't really notice. You'd staple the logs together. You'd put a cover sheet on them. They go up the chain of command. The chain of command finds a mistake. 
you didn't sign the bottom of this. As the log PO, you find the guy who didn't sign the bottom and you get him to sign it. When that's all complete, you put it in like a manila folder. You take that manila folder. There is a place to put that manila folder. This is the last whatever, right? You'd fill up. I think we did like a LTM, like the last 12 months. Each month would be in a section and, and then you'd take out all of that month and put it in a folder or excuse me, yeah, manila folder. You'd keep that manila folder. You'd take what is now four months ago, but before the end of the month was three months ago. You'd take that one up to, actually, RE32. I don't know why they call it that. I, I ended up, Stevens went from being my work center soup to being up there. I loved it up there. There'll be more... <laughs> There'll be more stories on that. But I loved it up there. I always had a good experience up there. When I first got there, there was Welsh and Sieber and Stevens, I think, were up there. Now, going into another office, maybe going into the training or the rim room or something like that, you need to get some signatures. It's scary. You don't know how they're going to treat you. You bring some Cokes and they might still say, fuck you. I'll give you some checkouts, but... You're going to pay. Some of that was just passing the time. Some of that was, I'm trying to have fun. Everybody else treated me this way, and I'll treat you the same way. That's fine. But the guys in 32 were always cool, man. And that's why I liked it. But I would go up there as log PO. In the back of it, there was another little room. In that little room, there were boxes. I think we had to keep three years similar process you'd go up take this one out every year you would take out the last box i don't remember what we did with it you kept a certain amount of logs handy if something happened you could go back and track it then there's these other logs where if you're reviewing from something a while back you can see that you only need to see a certain amount though on a side note that <laughs> we would go through these inspections. There's a rule in the Navy. When your job is to be the inspector, you will find a mistake. There's never a time you don't get a mistake. When you think you've done 100% perfect and nobody can find a mistake, they find a mistake. See that corner over there? It's supposed to be 90 degrees and it's only 89. Yeah, but I didn't build the ship. Rule says 90. They will find something, no matter how trivial. They will make something up, basically, is what I'm saying. It won't be made up. But it will. It's, it's, it'll be the cheesiest thing you've ever seen in your life. We had a... <laughs> We had just totally rocked. It was like uh, Weddington and Mikey, myself, Semper, and most importantly, in my opinion, Zimonas, Chief Zimonas. We were the two plant leadership. We just 
did well. I knew we were going to do well. We'd been through it a couple of times. I had this inspection comes. I know, I know the transformation we've made and how clean and awesome and great it looks. One way they would, if you did well, one way they would find a mistake, come to cleaning stations in the morning, people would be cleaning and sweep it up. Then, two or three hours later, you have an inspection. Somewhere, somewhere, there will be a fleck of dust. And they will say, there's dust right there. They reach their hand up on all the pipes and rub them. See if there's dust. If there's one fleck of dust. Hey, there's dust on the top of his pipes. I had people cleaning directly in front. Take your house. Maybe you've got a two-story or a ten-story. I don't know. Just imagine one floor. Break that floor up from you know your front door to, say, your garage door. Front door to back door. What, two different doors. In between there break it up into four or five sections. I had a guy cleaning each of the sections. And then as they got to one, you know, he was cleaning the section, right? They come, they're cleaning. They come down the stairs. They move to the next section. They look at that section. They move, he moves, you know, as it's clear, they're coming to the section he's in. He cleaned the next section. I didn't want him to find dust. I didn't want to get a cheesy hit of dust. And guess what? We didn't get a cheesy hit of dust. They couldn't even find dust in the power plant. But they did find a loose handle, and that loose handle was on that dadgum desk where the log recorder keeps the logs. And it wasn't that loose. It, you grabbed the handle, and it just barely kind of wiggled. It was the cheesiest hit. I was pissed. I was also kind of happy. I guess we were kind of laughing. If you couldn't even find dust, like these sons of bitches were working for that one. They were probably like, thank God this handle was loose. <laughs> but it wasn't loose. Spot check PO. I don't remember how long these jobs were supposed to last or lasted. The trash PO, you come in, tell the next guy. People come. Who knows when that's going to be? That's not up to you. That's up to Manning. You're assigned to ship. You found found out. I was going to think of it. I was going to. I thought of a saying. It's like a monkey fucking a football. That's what it was. That's what people training. If you're training somebody, they're doing something all sorts of jacked up. That's what. A person might say, you look like a monkey fucking a football. When we got our orders, it was like monkeys throwing darts at a board, I think was what the saying was, something like that. We get out of prototype, toward the end of prototype, they have you fill out a list of Wishes, I don't know what to call it. A dream list. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I, I volunteered for submarines. I did that not knowing anything. 
the reason I volunteered for submarine is they said you get submarine pay and I like money. I said, I want now. There was another deal about being on deployment, right? If you go to a boomer, they're called. There's a movie called Hunt for Red October. I haven't seen it in ages, but I saw it like a hundred times. Gene Hackman and God, that other guy. I love him. I don't know why. Denzel Washington. So it's Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington. They're on this submarine floating around the bottom of the ocean. They get an order that says launch nuclear missiles. Dun, dun, dun. The other person says, we this didn't go through the proper channels. We're missing one verification. Something isn't quite right. Maybe he wanted to verify. I could be wrong because I haven't seen him forever. Maybe Denzel Washington wanted to verify, which wasn't part you were just supposed to launch. Actually, as I'm talking about it, I think a transmission came, but it didn't come. They were getting something, but then they didn't get it. Well, that could have said, don't launch. The other guy is saying, yeah, it could have said, don't launch, but it could have said, launch. Launch now. We don't know. We have to go on the last order. Good movie. That, uh, those are boomers. Those guys, they don't, they go on different deployments. It's not the same. And there's a reason why you might want to be on that as opposed to say, an aircraft carrier, and that would be because of how it works. It's beneficial. It can be seen as cushier. How about that? It can be seen as cushier. They said if you filled this out and you make it seem like you want to be have the cushier job, they won't. they might not send you. They know, based off of what you say you want to do. Where where's your uh, where's your dream list there? And you pick the spots that those ships are. Then they're like, oh, this guy's trying to weasel his way onto the one of those. Even though those places, at least one of them I know has a other submarines that are on a different schedule. Whatever. People like to say haters gonna hate. Dicks like to dick. People in the navy they just like to dick each other over. They're assholes. For fun. Or maybe it's just ingrained. There's a lot of cool people too. I was going to say, sadly, in my experience, most of the cool people get out. But that's a little bit negative. There's a lot of... Number one, I just don't want to be negative. But there's a lot of really cool people. People who I love dearly who stayed in the Navy. And they're all... I don't want to say they're all awesome, but. So I guess, I don't know. Maybe I just like the people. Maybe the people that I like are dicks. I just like them for those who stayed in and those who got out. Who knows? Having said that, 
you would make this wish list. One guy was from Southern California. His grandma was about to die. She's 98 with cancer, whatever. You could write down, hey, you know, some extenuating circumstances. Like if you're single and your parents are from, what's the most central place? Kansas. Doesn't matter what coast you live on. You know, your whole family lives in Kansas, say. You could be on the East Coast, West Coast. It's halfway in between. They would say, look, if you have extenuating, we'll we'll consider all this stuff. Well, I'm a subfall. I put, I want to go to, you know, Washington and freaking Florida or something. They sent me to San Diego on an aircraft carrier. This other guy, he was, I don't think, he wasn't a subval, but he was from Southern California. Like I said, his grandma was going to die. He wanted to be around her as much as she could. So they sent him to Virginia. It's like, dude, they could have easily sent me to Virginia to the ship you went to, and they could have sent you to the ship in Southern California that I went to. There's no reason they couldn't have done that. I was a subval, and I didn't pick either of these other two places. They specifically, it's like they, they specifically picked you to not go the place you wanted to go, just to be an asshole. It's like you wrote down, my grandma's going to die. I'd like to see her as much as I can when I'm gone. And they're like, yeah, <sighs> here's Argentina, bitch. Don't get it. I guess they are like monkey fucking football. Now that I've gone on this whole tangent about how you get your orders, I'm trying to figure out what I was actually talking about. I guess I'll just go back to my notes. Sorry for that, but that's how my brain works. I actually had this whole planned out, wanted it to be a little bit more rehearsed originally. I struggled with the vision for this the whole time. Now I I just want it to be like I'm talking. And if you're having an actual conversation with me, this happens all the time. Slot check VO. I'm not sure how long the other stuff was supposed to last. Maybe that's what I was talking about. I was talking about how you're not in charge of where you go, number one, there's that. You're not in charge of who's coming or when they're coming or how the manning of the Navy works or when somebody enlisted or how whatever affected whatever. You might be trash, but you're just trash PO till the next guy comes. Then you're the senior of the two trash POs. Then the next guy comes or maybe two people come at once and you're not trash PO. But one of you is then going to be log PO. Trash PO, log PO. Then there's these kind of intermediate I'm not sure if everybody has a job training petty officer. I mentioned that. Another, uh, I'm assuming there's more. I don't freaking remember in the slightest. I was spot check PO. That was my next deal. And a spot check, supposedly, there's a certain percentage of maintenance items that are done. That's not true. 100% of maintenance items are done. And a certain percentage of them are checked. 
you want to make sure the people who are doing the maintenance know what's going on. If you said you changed the oil on this car, I say, hey, show me how to change the oil on this car and you climb up on the roof, we got some problems. You didn't change that oil, bro. Let's talk about that. But also, maybe they did, but they forgot a step. Hey, if you're not doing this step, let's make sure that you know. That would be on the people who are training you. Not necessarily, I guess it's the Navy, so maybe it could be taken as bad, but I think it's good. And I think that's a really good thing they do. Make sure people are doing it. More importantly, making sure that they know what to do. And if not, you're showing them because you're supposed to be like the expert. They would have, I'm not sure. I remember it was, um, they would have inspections for that stuff too. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to do another episode on maintenance, what we did, how it worked. These are my jaw. You know, I did like a watch. These are the watch stations I qualified. Here's the other half. These are the jobs that I had in title. But here's kind of what we did. Troubleshooting and maintenance. So I want to do a separate episode where I talk about that. In that episode, I'll discuss because that's more of a what we did as opposed to this. But yeah, we'd have an inspections on spot checks. Basically, every day, every week, be every week, the people in charge, the work center supervisor, and the assistant work center supervisor, they were in charge of planning the maintenance, making sure it was done, making sure the floor was swept and that sort of a thing. They would come and they would put maintenance on a board. You do this maintenance on this piece of equipment. It was your job to check that every Monday when it came out, see what you had to do, get that particular maintenance item done on your own time somewhere, fit it in that week, and then sign it off. For the spot check, you would take and see what was done, then a certain number of those had to be checked by a person that was an E7 or above. I think I talked about E7. You make chief. You start wearing khaki. You're not a blue shirt anymore. It's a big deal. In the Navy, I don't think it's as much of a big deal in the other branches as it is in the Navy. In the Navy, and we went to one, my friend, uh, the Gregory's, Jeremy Gregory, they're just the best I love him so much. Amanda, she worked with Mary at the bank. When we first moved there, I told Mary, hey, you got your degree. We're living in San Diego. Get a job. I don't remember how. Reading in the paper, monster.com. She went and applied for a job at the bank, and she got the job, and Amanda worked there. Her husband just so happened to be in the Navy as well. And they're great friends, beautiful people. They did so much for us that we could never repay. And Jeremy made chief while we were in the Navy and we went to his uh, ceremony. And that's what I was trying to say was that 
Jeremy made the, I wasn't trying to talk about Jeremy. Love the guy. Packers suck. If you listen to this. What I was trying to say was that there are, there's a whole, it's such a big deal. There's a whole ceremony for it. You ring a bell. They say request permission to enter the chief's mess. They allow you to enter you before you make chief. You have to, when you make chief, you have to buy all new uniforms. So they do these fundraisers. And if people like you, they'll come buy your hot dogs at your event, whatever it is. Um, there's kind of like a hazing boot camp, whatever ritual associated with being a chief. Maybe it lasts a month. I don't know. They get up super early, do push-ups. I'm not a chief. Then at the end of that time period, you go through the ceremony. Boom, you're now a chief. Just saying that it's a freaking, it's a big deal in the Navy. So you'd have to have this E7 or above. They would come check out your work. Read through all the stuff. You'd have to prove some stuff to them. I'll talk about all that in a different episode. The spot check, make sure you did it. And that's what a spot check was. When I when I took over the spot check as spot check paid off, so the guy before me did what I think everybody else did. You'll get an email or a list somehow. I don't remember. This person is supposed to do a spot check with you this week. Something like that. Pretty sure that sounds about right. A month seems too long and bi-weekly seems dumb. You're supposed to get a spot check with this person. Pick a maintenance item. No, it was, that wasn't it. It was so-and-so is going to do a spot check with so-and-so. They had the person and, is that right? I don't know. Now I'm just talking out my ass. I can't remember. It's been 10 years. Get off my goddamn back. Okay. I don't remember how it happened. I don't remember who picked who. I do know that the officer, the E7 and above was assigned. Outside of that, I don't remember. The guy would walk up to you and say... You have a spot check with that guy. Set it up. Then what you did as the maintenance worker would be call that guy, email him, you know, hey, I got a free time on Friday at 2. Well, I'm not available until 3. Okay, but we got to make it quick because I got watch at 4.30. Get it all lined out. You'd have to print off all the papers that you needed, make a set of material, gather all the supplies. It was just a pain. One of the hardest parts would be, one of the, hard, one of the hardest parts would be you'd have to use this piece of paper. And the piece of paper, it was required for your boss to have signed it, verifying that that's a, the correct piece of paper to use. You have to find the guy. He'd have to print it off. He'd have to sign it. Such a pain in the ass. It could be 
over the the silliest maintenance. I had a maintenance item. We had these uh, not electrostatic precipitators. They take the they take the oil out of the air. These static ABTs. They just change. If you're on power source A, they just swap it over to power source B. Static meaning it was digital. I think. I don't really remember. What the whole maintenance item was, you look at it, you make sure all the lights turn on, there's a button that says test, and you press the test button, and then all the lights light up, and then you let it go, and it turns out. Just the one that's supposed to be on is on. You're just testing the lights. Then you undo a couple screws. There's a filter in there, but it's, excuse me. It's like you're changing the filter in your AC unit or whatever. In the ceiling, in Texas, it was in the ceiling. Now I'm in Indiana, it's in the, it's in the unit itself. But you're changing your filter, but that filter is made of metal. And it's also basically completely empty. Then you just kind of shake it, bang it against your hand. Barely anything comes off. And then you put it back where it goes and then you screw it back, the, the cover plate back on. Boom. I got several spot checks on something cheesy like that. The people who were giving me the spot checks were like, dude, who the F is giving us this spot check? This is a waste of both of our time. Which was true. What I did when I took over, I predetermined I'm not going to give a spot check on these cheesy spot checks. Not going to do it. I picked, let's just call it, I read about economics and they call the CPI. Um, I don't even know what that stands for, but it's the inflation core producer inflation I don't know, but they call it a basket of goods is what they have to compare inflation to i had a basket of maintenance items it wasn't everything that could be it was just a few but we did them very regularly they were important to our jobs they were not cheesy but they were easy Nobody's going to spot check this and say, I can't believe you're doing this cheesy ass spot check. And yet, it's not one person did this three years ago. Nobody has any idea if we're doing it correctly. That's also a problem, right? I printed off all the papers. I got everything ready. Since I limited myself I didn't have to do this every single time, right? I did it for everybody. I would make sure everything was up to date. I would give you your spot check by saying, you've got a spot check this week and handing you an, an envelope that had all of the papers you needed already in it. You didn't have to do anything except for set it up and then get the tools ready the day of. I was making it 
not a hassle for you because I felt everybody's busy all week long and then you get a spot check and I've been there before. It's like, shoot me right in the face. This is awful. I have to print off all this stuff. It's such a pain in the ass. Half the time, people don't know what's going on. My first several, I made it up as I went. Didn't go well. I'd give them the spot check. I would give them the piece of paper. I'd ask them if they needed training on it. Even the people who'd been there two years. If you'd been there longer than me, I'd walk up, hey, you got a spot check? Hey, do you want me to run through this with you? I know you probably know, but it's easy to forget sometimes. That way it's not an insult for me asking. I was really proud. Actually, I guess I could have written this. I haven't, I'm going to do another episode. I'm kind of playing it out. But it's going to be an episode of what I'm proud of. Not some of this stuff could be said in multiple places. Just like earlier I said, hey, there's a story that I would tell right now about getting a spot check, but I'm going to do that in the maintenance section. Well, I could have also told this in another one that's going to be what I'm proud of. Because I'm very proud of me doing that for everybody else. I made everybody else's lives easier. I know I did. I, I rocked it out. I know I rocked it out. I'm going to go for an ice pause. All right, I got my eyes. I'm back. I guess I'll take a sip now. So, I was really proud of being spot check BO. I knew I had done well. I saved a lot of people a lot of hours of work. I had a system which saved me time. But I legitimately, you could just check your email once, go talk to a guy once, you do this, boom, what did that take? You know, 10 minutes total. 10 minutes was probably include all of the walking. Less than 10 minutes. The amount of time you actually put into doing that work, likely you would check your email anyway. They would tell you at quarters where you were going to be anyway. One conversation. Hey, bud, you got a spot check with so-and-so. Set it up. And then reading an email. So-and-so has a spot check with so-and-so, whatever it said. Shortest email ever. Yeah. I think that the actual time minus walking would be less than less than two minutes, less than a minute. No time at all. I was spending hours. I spent hours making all the packets. I built them up over the time. I had multiple packets for multiple different stuff. People would... Like I said, getting those pieces of paper printed off and signed was a pain. Sometimes someone would be using one of those pieces of paper. Someone else would need one. They would come grab it from the spot check folder. I'd flip back to missing this paper again. Seems like every week I was going, I had something to do to maintain what was going on every week. Also every week I was finding out who had the spot check printing off a couple piece of paper specifically for them. Putting that in the packet. I knew how to do it. Why should they waste their time? 
doing something once every four months, once every three months, once every long period of time, you're like, how the, what do I do? Who do I talk? If you do it every week, it's pretty damn easy. It just takes time. I'm, this is on the 07 deployment. I'm qualifying. I have my own stuff to take care of. I have my own maintenance. I have my own watch. And I'm doing all this extra work. Proud of that. I got an award for it. I said before that I'd talk about awards. Awards are basically a bunch of bullshit. I'm going to tangent on that right here. Some people love having all those medals. They would go... They would go and do extra tasks because you could get medals for tasks. One example would be marksman. Just like in the other branches of the military, you can be a marksman or an expert marksman. You get qualified on a pistol and a rifle. I could be mistaken on some of this. We work in a nuclear freaking power plant, bro. We ain't shooting no guns down there. That's a really bad idea. Some people, some nukes, you'll see with the little marksman, you know, little little ribbon. Hey, I got it. Got one more. I guess I'm making fun a little bit. To me, it's, I'm never one for ceremony. Yeah, you're a marksman. That's great. That doesn't do anything. Why don't you not be a piece of shit as the spot check PO? I don't know if that guy before me actually had the marksman or not but as an example here you go you could take your time do a lot of work help some people out or you could do jack shit and then go get your marksman badge and then you're like hey i got another thing i got another ribbon so some people are all about it some people you can be good and want to get more stuff on your uniform it doesn't have to be negative like i'm making out to be negative i think uh you know, some of my friends were into it. But I say it's a joke for several reasons. I'm going to end the section with the story that happened to me. But I'll jump to kind of what would normally be the end, I think. That is, based on your rank, that's how you get an award. The better the award the higher rank you have to be to get it. Basically. Maybe maybe not like the Medal of Honor. Because that actually has to be you sacrificing your life. And there's no general, there's no puss-ass general or admiral sitting in the goddamn back risking his life. And that's how I feel about it, and that's probably a little tequila right there. You could tell how I feel about him. No. It's the guy who's risking it all, who said we should never be doing this in the first place. It's a terrible idea that they didn't listen to. That's the guy who gets the Medal of Honor. If you're a below, if you're an E6 or below, the highest medal that they will give you is a Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal mentioned before that was kind of one of my goals I think 
I think I mentioned that. It all kind of blurs together a little bit. And I would have been proud to get that. And you get it a Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal for when you leave. If you did a really good job when you were there, people liked you, number one. They're not gonna, if you're a jerk-off, nobody's going to put you in for a, a medal, which isn't quite true, but I'll get to that. But they'll kind of give you a, a Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal as a send-off because you've been here and you've done, you know, it's a, what's that in the movies? The Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, you maybe never won Best Actor. Maybe you never know, never won Best Screenplay, Best Movie. But you've been doing this for 40 years making nothing but great content except for not content because that's such a new word that's like a youtube bs video making nothing but great movies making nothing but great entertainment and you just missed out the whole time oh nolan ryan love nolan ryan nolan ryan to me is the best picture ever don't care what you want to say about anybody else you're in fact wrong Nolan Ryan never won the Cy Young. One year he pitched like crazy. I think he threw like two no-hitters. His ERA was, you know, in the twos. He just went off on everybody in the league. And they gave it to some reliever because they had like 48 saves. You, you, you got to be kidding me. You know the problem? The problem is he's on not the Yankees. If Nolan Ryan was a goddamn Yankee, this is the tequila, I can tell now, for sure. <laughs> but if Nolan Ryan was a dadgum Yankee, he'd have won like 12 Cy Youngs. He might have won one every year he pitched because it's the Yankees or the Red Sox, one of those guys. Okay, so it's like that, a Lifetime Achievement Award. You did good for so long, we just give you the award because by God, you deserve something. Not necessarily an event. You can also get awards for events. At the same time, if you did the same task, but you were an E6 versus an E7, the E7 gets an award that's better than that E6 award. But you did the same thing, but your uniform's different. It's fake. How fake is that? I give awards based on your uniform? Really? That's so dumb. You should give awards based off what people do. Is this some kind of a novel idea? And it's insulting at how the level that they take this. Whenever I see a general and he's got a whole fucking... This is definitely the tequila. When he's got a whole fucking chest full of bullshit, I look at him like he's goddamn Saddam Hussein. You take that shit off. It's a fucking insult. It's an insult to everybody who actually did something. This is where I'm going off right now, and this is why I'm so heated about it. I know a man who was in a bad, bad situation where other people were literally on... Well, I don't want to say too much. Other people were going to die. They were 100% going to die 
and everybody else screamed and everybody else ran the other way. Now, I wasn't there. Sheer luck I wasn't there. Friends that I've known and I never saw again. Hospital, evac flights, bad situation. Other people were going the other direction and this person stood up, Evans, and took action and made it happen and wasn't weak and wasn't silly, wasn't probably, I probably would have run the other way, to be honest. I don't know that that's true. I wasn't there, but I have to assume. And he did something when no one else did. And he got a worse award than somebody else who filled out some goddamn paperwork because he was an E4. Medals are a joke. It's like, you hear it too. Everybody wants a, I listened to some other military podcasts, like infantry stuff. I never like another side tangent. Is there a non-side tangent? What am I saying? Another, you know, going off. They always, will the veterans please stand up? I don't, I don't like it. Because I think of a veteran, I think of a man in a trench in World War I. It's not what I did. I was not in any danger. It's just different, you know. I'm not making light of the sacrifice that, you know, I think my family went through. Cameron was born. I was away for 10 out of her first 19 months. And then there were some underways in there. I think we went on a two or three week underway that I'm not counting as that. There is some, but there, the reason I didn't just add that on there is because in this three month time block, we were in and out several times. One of them was for an extended period. I think there was maybe some befores and afters and stuff like that. 10 to 19 months on deployment. That's a sacrifice. So I'm not making light of that. It's different than getting shot and killed. Promise you that much. But everybody wants a, you know, purple heart and all this other nonsense. Imagine some, you know, green beret, some Navy SEAL. I should say Navy SEAL. I'm in the Navy. We're the best. Should have went with Navy. I apologize. Apologize to the Navy SEALs who aren't listening to this, just like everybody else. Some Navy SEAL he gets shot at. He's like on you know landing from a parachute, you know? He gets shot. Uh his his buddy gets shot. He's worried that as they're out of this parachute landing they're trying to shoot at his buddy. Some other guy is trying to go get him. So he stands up behind his cover and starts firing just to take all of the fire at himself to save his, his teammate. 
he gets back. They write a little, they write him up. They write him up and they give him a letter. They give him a commanding officer's letter of what, hold on, I got one right here. Well, it doesn't really say what it is. I think they just call it a CO's letter. He probably gets a CO's letter. Maybe he gets nothing. You're just doing your job. Them's the breaks. Get your shits to, and by the way, you know, you're not supposed to have your uniform like that, sailor. Then you can see some ass-sucking paper clerk talk, seeing a general and look at all of his bullshit on his chest. Hey, you got, you got a silver star, a bronze star? What? How'd you get that, sir? Oh, I had a bad day in Anbar province. Oh, really? What happened? Man, we were out there. I had some bad mystery meat. It was fucking street vendors. It was nuts. Shitting my ass off, I tell you what. Had to, I had to scrape a layer of skin off the old brown eye. Oh my God, sir, that sounds so bad. Do you want me to put you in for a purple two? Purple heart? No, I've already got, I've already got a star with clusters. Like, these people are horrible. So my spot check award. Mind you, I, I don't know how many hours I spent on this. Many, many, many. It took me weeks just to make the package. I lost a lot of sleep over this. I'm going to read to you. They came up to me and they said, hey, Cole, you're getting an award. I said, really? What am I getting an award for? They said, spot check. You're getting a commanding officer. This, you're getting a CO's award for spot check, PO. Like, Sweet. You guys saw me. You saw what I did. You saw me working my ass off. You saw me making everybody's lives better. And you noticed and you wrote me up for this award, and this is what it says. Commander, Carrier Stripe Group 11. Takes pleasure in commending Electrician's Mate 3rd Class John C. Lancaster, United States Navy, for service as set forth in the following citation. For outstanding performance of duty as number two plant maintenance technician, reactor electrical division, reactor department, USS Nimitz, CVN-68, from April to August 2007. Petty Officer Lancaster performed his duties in exemplary and highly professional manner. Demonstrating exemplary work ethic and dedication, he expertly coordinated the performance of more than 60 divisional spot checks and led the preparation of 20 divisional personnel prior to each check. As a result of his efforts, the division flawlessly executed scheduled checks and achieved an accomplishment rate of more than 90%, leading to an outstanding performance during the Type Commander Maintenance and Material Management Assessment. During our, during the spot check, uh, when I was spot check PO, we went through an inspection. That's what that was. His superlative efforts measurably contributed to the successful 2007 deployment and support of operations enduring freedom and Iraqi freedom. Petty Officer Lancaster's professionalism, initiative, and loyal devotion to duty reflected credit upon himself and were in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. J.T. Blake, Rear Admiral, U.S. Navy. 
Commander, Carrier Stripe, Group 11. So I guess I got a Admiral's letter, not a CO's letter. I thought, sweet, you guys noticed. And I show up. I go to my spot. I'm trying to get in line based off name. I think it was like alphabetical, but it was also, here are the E5s, here are the E4s, here are the E3s. I'm standing next to a person. I look to my right. This person got here around the same time I did, more or less. I'm not trying to give who the person is. If you were there, you might know. And this person was a piece of shit. We would call him a shit bag. This person was a shit bag. I specifically had to make up for the lack of effort for this person on a regular basis. Regular basis. Pain in everyone's ass. No one could say anything good about it. There's a cut right here. It's because I accidentally gave away the information that let you know who this person is. I'm cutting it out. Everybody on the ship knows this person sucks. Everybody in our department knows this person sucks. That's what I'm trying to say. They're standing there getting the same god dang thing I got. Well, how do you feel? I busted my ass for that. Yeah, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of that award. This person did nothing. This person caused me problems. They did less than nothing. They didn't they didn't even get near to pulling their own weight. And you're giving them an award for being good, which is pull, pulling more than your own weight. At the same time, there was another guy. He had been on the ship for eight years. Dang it. Scratch that, reverse it. Strike that, reverse it. I can't even quote a movie. At the same time, there was another person. And this person got an award for the, the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal. He got the award for being the best, which is what Evans got for, in my opinion, not being there, so I don't know, but, you know, saving people's lives. This other person who is a complete turd, but had been on the ship for forever, he got the highest award you could get. When they called his name, and gave him that high award. I'm standing next to this loser. Not that the person was a bad person. I keep... I have this other guy so visit, vividly in my brain. I keep saying him. So this person... Well, pretend I didn't say that all the time. This person just was an oddity to me in so many ways. They were on the ship longer than I was in the Navy and did less, yet they achieved some sort of success, everyone said, based on longevity. I had arrived on the ship, seen this person in these positions, thought guy must be decent, 
everybody always talked trash. Couldn't quite square it. <laughs> it reminds me, when I was growing up and I was real little, my dad went to Texas A&M. We always rooted for Texas A&M. Then my uncle played football at Tulsa University. I, in my kidness, thought everybody's favorite team was Texas A&M. But in my growing a little more aware of the world, I thought, how can your favorite team be Texas A&M if you played football at Tulsa? That doesn't make any sense. I know what I'll do. I'll ask him. And I went and I asked him, hey, Uncle Mac, who's your favorite football team? Whoever's playing Notre Dame. Which sent my mind. I, I was convinced he was going to say Tulsa and I had the word, world figured out. Instead, he makes an awesome, awesome joke. That's what I felt like a little bit. Here's a guy doing things that I'm associating with good and everybody's telling me that he sucks. I can't really get it. By the end of the 07 deployment, we've been on the ship together long enough. I realize, yeah, other people have, if you were really good, you would have done a lot more by now. But he's getting a medal for being the best. And he was far from it. Probably went on that a bit too long. But it really pisses me off. It really pisses me off when you have great, great, great people. Then you have slugs. and You treat them the same. Shameful. Just shameful. Like the last episode, this one is super long. Cutting it into pieces. It's all been recorded. I'm going to go ahead, put a stop right here. Release it. Once I've listened to the next sections, I'll release them as well. I don't know how long it'll be. That's all.